1: enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? We got an interesting email this week. He says, thank you for taking my email in question. My girlfriend and I listen to you on the radio. On the radio and we have a question about sex. After I've been in recovery for over two years and proven to her that I am really working towards reestablishing a good, solid relationship, aren't we entitled to have sex? Well, you know, that is a dicey question because here's what I believe to be true. Yes, you are absolutely entitled to have a good sexual relationship, and yet what you have to be very cognizant of is the effects that your sexual addiction has had on your partner. So my guess is that she is really afraid to trust you, and she's afraid to trust you because she doesn't want to give the most sacred part of herself to you again if you're going to betray her. So that means you need more communication, you need more empathy, and you need to figure out what she would need to feel safe. So get yourself with a certified sexual addiction therapist or a partner specialist through APSATS, um, because what I know to be true is these are the only two professionals that can really help you get on board with what you need to do to develop that relationship. So don't give up, but do get working. You've waited a long time, you've done some really good work, and yes, you do deserve good sexuality, but it takes a while to rebuild. And just in the same way as it takes your brain three to five years to really reboot, it takes her three to five years to reboot too. And that's why you have to work with somebody who can help her and help you to get back on the right track. Now tonight we have two very special guests. Um, Rob Weiss had written this book called Out of the Doghouse, A Redemption Guide for Men Caught Cheating, and now he has partnered up with Marnie Faree, who is the executive director of Bethesda, a treatment center out of Nashville. It's a Christian treatment center, and together they put together a Christian guide for men caught cheating. Their new book is called Out of the Doghouse for Christian Men: A Redemptive Guide for Men Caught Cheating, and it is going to help you to figure out what do you need to do to get out of the doghouse and um, rebuild that trust. You know, Rob would be the first to admit that this book is for everybody who has cheated, sex addicts. Adulterers, people who have committed infidelity, um, it's really important that you do what it takes to make things right. As a matter of fact, a 2016 statistic from the Journal of Marital and Family Therapy reports that about one-third of marriages actually experience infidelity. And if you are blessedly not in that number, you probably know somebody who is. Until about 30 years ago, there weren't many books to help couples when one person had cheated. The Bible um, from 10, 15 years ago was After the Affair by Janice Abrams Springs. And now we have another choice. And it is Out of the Doghouse, A Step-by-Step Relationship Saving Guide, and Out of the Doghouse for Christian Men, A Redemptive Guide for Men Caught Cheating. There is no doubt that some people need help with figuring out what do they need to do if they want to get out of the doghouse maybe they don't have a spirituality that can help them with that. Well, that's when you would look up, out of the doghouse, a step-by-step relationship saving guide. And we've had Rob Weiss on the show before, and he's talked about that book. It's, it's fabulous. But now, if you're Christian and you really want to rely on your Christian principles, your biblical principles, you're going to want to read out of the doghouse for Christian men a redemptive guide for men caught cheating because these two people Rob and Marnie are here to share their insights about saving a relationship after infidelity and your relationship can be saved. So I would ask you whether you're an, whether you participated in infidelity whether you've had several infidelities or whether you see yourself as a sex addict, do you want to use your higher power to as a resource to get you to the place where you need to be so that you can live a life free from infidelity? Now, I maintain that you do. I maintain that clearly one of the things that we know about our listeners is that, yes, they want help. That's why they're listening. And Rob and Marnie are here to share their insights about saving a relationship after infidelity and, of course, the challenges in particular that Christian couples face. So I'm going to be excited to be talking to them about what is going on in their lives and how they can use their resources to become healthy individuals. You know, because what I do believe is that oftentimes, and this is tough for me to say, but oftentimes if you're not willing to do the hard work that you need to do to make your life happen, You are going to be spinning your wheels, trying to make things better when they really can't. You know, I have to believe that you need the expert. You need the experts, whether it's uh, Marnie and Rob, whether it's their book that they highly recommend, um, whether it's a treatment center like Bethesda. That is really there to help Christians who want to make their life better. Now, you may be stuck in the same scenario over and over and over again. And sometimes when that happens, I gotta tell you, it is so important for you to get back on target by figuring out what it is that you can do to make your life different. And to do that very clearly means that one thing you have to do is follow those steps that will actually restore your relationship and rebuild the trust. And I know that can be really tough. But it is so well worth what it takes to make life better. And Rob and Marnie are going to tell us what that is. Because you know what? It can't get better unless you really put forth the hard work. And boy, is that hard! And I promise you, if you put forth the hard work, you will make it happen. I know that to be true. I've never met somebody who didn't make it work when they put in the hard work. So I've got to ask you, what do you think you need to do? Listen to this show, and we'll give you the step-by-step guide for making it happen. And boy, oh boy, these are two of the the experts in the field. They're both CSATs. They have both made it their mission to help Christian men get through this incredibly difficult um, treatment program. You know, it's not easy to know what to do. It isn't. And so you've got to have the experts help you. Why reinvent the wheel? And that is why I highly recommend that this group, Rob and Marnie, make a difference in your life. All right. So... I was talking on um, my YouTube channel about people that can't seem to get over the pain. No matter what they do, no matter what they try, they continue to stay in a state of activation where they can't trust. And wow, when that happens to you, one of the things that I know is that it is painful for the coupleship. It's painful for the partner who can't seem to get over it, and it's really painful for the addict who says, hey, I am doing everything I'm supposed to, and this is not making a difference. So we talk about post-traumatic stress, and then we talk about complex post-traumatic stress. And those two disorders are differentiated by history. You know what kind of trauma have you had in your life that absolutely does not allow you to trust? You got to look at that. But more importantly, you've got to find experts who can help you with that diagnosis, with those feelings, and with that dilemma in your coupleship. And so I want you to do your homework. I want you to go to itap dot com. that's a very important organization that certifies sexual addiction trauma and and sexual addiction therapists, and they will likely know what you need to do. Then the other group is APSATS, A-P-S-A-T-S, and they too have partner trauma specialists that will let you know what you need to do. You need to get with the right individuals that get your pain and get the fact that, wow, this is hard stuff. And we know you can't do it by yourself. That's why we have this station to help you get healthy. All right. Well, this is Carol Jurgensen Sheets. I'm AKA Carol the Coach. And we've got some experts on the line. Welcome to the Sex Health with Carol the Coach show.
2: Thanks, Carol.
1: Yes. So, what a fabulous book both of you have. Tell me a little bit about why you decided, Rob, to write this book and why you decided to include Marnie, who is a fabulous <laughs> author and a director cool. of probably one of the best treatment centers in the United States. What made you collaborate together?
2: Oh, well, first of all, I you, just
1: Carol. Have... Welcome.
2: <laughs> I just... I wanted to thank you, Carol, for doing this show because I think that you offer so much information for people who wouldn't otherwise necessarily even have the courage to ask someone about these things. And so I just want to applaud you before we talk about the book because this is important. What you're doing is important. And uh, I thank you for that. Um, You asked why... Well, I wrote this book because I felt that men did not have a voice for understanding how to heal infidelity. And you know how men are. We're kind of like... I don't know, solution focused. And I have spent 25 years working with unfaithful couples and I have noticed that the solutions that men come up with don't seem to solve the problem. In other words, I did something in Vegas. I called an old girlfriend. I did whatever. And I just know if I bring home flowers and candy and I'm really, really nice to my spouse, she will not get too upset about this. And That's not the reality of what he's about to face. So I wanted a man to understand, since we tend to be problem solvers, what it takes to solve the, well, first of all, what the problem is, as you said, Carol, betrayal of trust. And then just how long and how much work it takes to really restore that um, is why I wrote Out of the Doghouse. And then I talked to my friend Marnie, who is a Christian therapist and has an amazing Christian counseling center called Bethesda in Tennessee. And I said, you know what, I think I just wrote a book for – for men who are spiritually bound, for Christian men, because all I wrote about was integrity and honoring your relationship. And, but I know they're not going to read it in my secular language. So I approached Marnie and said, how can we come up with language for a Christian man or a Christian couple to embrace these concepts? And she was so generous to join me in writing this book.
1: Well, absolutely. And Marnie, how did you feel about getting the invite? What were your thoughts?
0: I was really excited about it, Carol. I was familiar with Out of the Dog House and thought it was great. I confess to Rob, I had not read it cover to cover when he invited me to do that. So he said, well, why don't you read it? And I did and marked it all up, mostly with big check marks saying, so easily adaptable to Christian mm. principles and language. And um mm-hmm. came back to him and said, I would love to do this and i teased him that he wrote one of the most christian books about infidelity that i've ever read and i've read a whole lot of them just in terms of his very clear definition so it's it actually has been a really fun and one of the easiest writing projects i've done because the core material is so fabulous
1: Well, that's good to know, and clearly you said you teased him about it, having really a very Christian bend to it. So tell me what made you think that.
0: I think, again, just this very clear definition of infidelity. I had really not quite read anything that put it so clearly and elevated the conversation beyond just sex. Because, you know, Robin's clearly saying, and I 1,000% agree, that... It is the betrayal of relationship trust by the secrets that does the most damage. And Mm -hmm. the particular thing that a guy has done that constitutes unfaithfulness is not really the point. And just all the ways that he unpacked, um, I thought about the 12 steps a lot in in reading his original Mm -hmm. manuscript because it's just about taking responsibility and owning Mm -hmm. your stuff and making amends and living differently and all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things and I, I, think, I think truth is truth and these principles of truth um, go across any different type of theoretical or philosophy
1: mm-hmm. Oh absolutely and, and Rob I got to tell you I had a man today who he has cheated on his wife via pornography and she was mm-hmm. able to see his history and was absolutely appalled by the pornography that he had seen but he was still in that state of denial you know he said Mm -hmm. come on now this isn't cheating i'm doing it at home what she doesn't know won't hurt her this should not be a big deal and in your book you talk about online sex and you talk about whether viewing pornography really is cheating now tell me what do you think about that and what definition do you use
2: well, I, I think that what um, Marnie was saying a few moments ago really speaks to it, which is, you know, back in the old days, and I maybe the three of us might remember the old days, I think the old days as being pre-internet, you know, I knew when someone was having an affair, or, or I was, it's was very clear, you know, I would be late at the office and lipstick on the collar and, you know, going traveling with a coworker, and everyone kind of knew it. But what if I'm looking at porn and my spouse doesn't know, or if I'm chatting with someone online, like an old affair partner, an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend? You know, am I cheating? And and that the the issue has become harder to define. And as Marnie, well, as you said, Carol, with this case today, it's very easy, I think, for a man to say, in particular, a man to say, oh, well, my dad looked at Playboy, and this is just like a modern version of that. And what's the big deal? Um, well, it it isn't the same as Playboy. uh, It's not just a few images. The images run on forever and ever. And it's more like sitting at a blackjack table where the cards keep coming in. You never run out of cards until you run out of money. So, you know, I understand the loneliness, the fear of the partner. And and you know from our work, all all of us, that, you know, partners, yeah, they don't like the sex part. I mean, they're not happy about it. But what they really are most wounded by, we keep saying this, and the men I don't think for the most part get it is, You know, a guy's just thinking, well, it's just a little of this or a little of that. It won't be a big deal. It's a big deal to her. And when I have a man say to me, hey, you know, I looked at Playboy. What's the big deal? My question to him is, um, I don't care whether you consider it cheating or not. Why aren't you paying more attention to how upsetting this is to your spouse? And if your priority is your relationship and not the ability to look at porn whenever you want, then you should be paying attention to the pain that your spouse is in. Because she is not simply responding to you're looking at a little bit of porn. She's responding to a much larger issue of feeling inadequate, feeling less than, feeling underinvolved, feeling distanced from, and all the things that come with looking at a lot of porn and being in a primary relationship. But you asked me a question. I want to answer it. Um, How do we define cheating in the digital age? I define it as the keeping of profound secrets in an intimate relationship. That's cheating.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because he is in another 12-step program, and he talked to a sponsor about it, and he said, you know, what's the big deal? And his sponsor Mm -hmm. in another program said, hey, the big deal is that you're upsetting your wife and you're not being 100% honest with her, and rigorous honesty is part of our program. And that's, you know, what I had to say to him, too. And and he said, but this isn't hurting her. And I said, but she saw Mm -hmm. your browser. History and it is, and even if she hadn't seen it, deep down inside, if you're holding a secret, you're not in any Mm -hmm. kind of recovery or any kind of program. Now, Marnie,
2: and you're not being intimate.
1: "Mm, mm." So tell me what you're not being intimate. Yeah, yeah. I'm
2: sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just curious as to what you both thought about that intimacy disorder.
2: Marnie, go ahead. Oh, I.
0: I absolutely um, agree and believe that that is the correct way to view whether it's sexual addiction, which we have such a background in, uh, or your more garden variety, if you will, infidelity. This is an incredible breach of the intimacy. Um, Mm -hmm. And in, in this case and in our book, and certainly within a Christian framework and worldview, That Mm -hmm. intimacy between a husband and a wife is sacred, and certainly Mm -hmm. the sexual part is sacred, but also are the secrets and the emotional intimacy Mm -hmm. that a cheating guy may have with a, quote, just emotional affair with someone. And so there is an intimacy um, disorder, but there's also an intimacy Mm -hmm. impairment, and from a Christian worldview, the just looking at pornography is breaching that trust of sacred intimacy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I would it's agree
1: interesting. That, and, you know, Rob, I know that clearly, you know, for you, you wanted to help partners get out of the doghouse. You actually wanted them to redeem themselves, mm-hmm. to build that trust. And that's why you wrote your first book, um, and and so tell me a little bit about the definition of cheating in in your. What is your definition, Rob?
2: Well, as I as I, um, I think I, I couldn't be clearer about infidelity today and what I believe it to be. And infidelity is the keeping of secrets. Or rather, the keeping of profound secrets in an intimate relationship. You know, I, I may not, you know, you may, you, we may be married and, you know, you think that I'm on a diet and I had an extra cookie today. Well, I, I might not tell you that, but I consider that a relatively little indiscretion. However, if I know that what I'm doing would hurt my partner or let them down, or if I know that it, I need to keep this secret because they will be uh, disappointed or they won't agree, um, that's cheating. You know, and it doesn't have to be um, sexual. It could be financial. You know, we could have money problems, and I could just say, "Well, I'm just going to take ten dollars a week out of my check to buy that fancy watch I want," but I won't tell her because, you know, she won't let me have it. She won't agree. And then three years later, if I show up with that watch on my wrist, she's not going to be happy for me. <laughs> she's not going to say, "Oh, good for you. You got that watch, and you never had to tell me you were taking ten dollars a week out of our paycheck." She might say something more like, "I would have liked to use that." money for something else, or at least had a a choice. At least I want a part in the decision. And I think that's, you know, outside of the Christian world, what is such a big issue for partners with porn is that, you know, if we had discussed it, if I'd known you looked at it, if if we talked about it, if we looked at it together, whatever it is in that context, but when things come to partners as such a surprise, then that trust thing comes up. And you're right, I wanted men to understand that cheating and infidelity is not, something you're going to be able to make better with, you know, candy flowers and, and, and taking her on vacation. Because what you've done is betrayed trust. And now she doesn't believe if anything you said is true. And, and you're right, Carol, this is the thing about um, men in general. I think we don't care about this is, you know, and it isn't a big deal to us. I mean, it wasn't a big deal to me to look at a little porn. It wasn't a big deal to me to go to Vegas and go to that bachelor party and do whatever we did. So why would it be a big deal to her? Um, well, just because I don't value and esteem something as being important doesn't mean that it doesn't carry great weight for my partner. Um, And if I can, Carol, can I tell you how um, Marnie and I decided to call, what we decided to call cheating, like how we decided to sort of say, what is the problem with the cheater?
1: Absolutely. Go ahead.
2: Well, you know, we do work in intimacy disorders and addictions, so it's very easy for, some you know for us to say well that 's an addiction or or that is a intimacy disorder or that 's a trauma based whatever, but I think Marnie and I wanted to be very careful not to pathologize people who cheat or have cheated um, because it 's not necessarily true that there's something emotionally and mentally wrong with them, so you know but but then I think, well, but they did make a mistake and they did hurt their partner and so what do you call that, and what I call cheating on someone that you really love and you just weren't giving it the attention you needed and really thinking it through and all of that, I call it immature because I think there's an idea we have in psychotherapy of having someone in mind. And to me, a committed couple when they are truly loving and they are mature in their loving. They don't go anywhere without the other one in their mind. They don't go anywhere without thinking of the other person. That other person is always with them on some level. And the person who can shut their partner out of their mind and say, well, I'll just go do this for me and it'll be fun. And as long as they don't know about it, it won't hurt them. That's a really immature uh, action based on someone who doesn't understand the depth of the meaning of their connection to their partner.
1: Well, you know, you say that, Rob, and I absolutely agree. I'm all the time talking about emotional maturity. And I also know, and I think all three of us do, that breaking the denial is the first step in sexual addiction, and when it comes to infidelity, it's also the first step. I mean, clearly, mm-hmm. we have to help our clients break through their denial and recognize how they are hurting their other the other person in their life because we're talking about, you know, a relationship fracture, whether it's infidelity, mm-hmm. whether it's sexual addiction, it's about fracturing that relationship, which means we really have to develop empathy, which increases mm-hmm. intimacy. What do you think, both of you?
0: I definitely agree, Carol. And to brag on Rob a little bit, um, this book in my view does probably the best job that I have seen anywhere of really getting at how cheating and infidelity affects a partner. It's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, he of course it comes from twenty five years of experience, but right. <laughs> um just being in a partner's head of a wife's head. This is this is what it feels like. Talking about things like well, how can I believe him about anything? If he can lie to me about something as important as mm. sex, then, then everything is gone. Everything is out the window. Why do I believe it? not only just if he says he loves me or I'm important to him, why do I believe anything that he says or anything that he does? Um, it's, it's a total integrity issue. And, and the breaching it around sex um, completely negates everything else about him. And I think that's that's definitely true for the wives and the partners we see at Bethesda workshops that, you know, it doesn't matter that he's been a great dad or a good provider or he's coached on the soccer team or he's, you know, president of Civitan or on the school board or any of those kinds of things. All of it comes tumbling down around the pain of cheating. And that's reality. And I think that's, how women typically view relationships and certainly how betrayed women view relationships.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah.
2: Oh, I can ask my co-author a question here, if that's okay with you, Carol. Um, I think this might, I mean, this is what interests me about working with Marnie is that, you know, I, I appreciate your validation and I think I wrote a really good book for men to understand what they do when they cheat to the partner that they love. I think I did, but I'm curious why you feel that, why, why, why we had to rewrite the book. Why couldn't that simply, that same message in the same way, be given to the Christian audience? What what do they need to hear that leaves them feeling safer or more connected to the content or or like their issues are being addressed that's different than maybe the book you first read, Marnie? I'm curious.
0: I think um, a couple of things, Rob. I think first just um, a, a premise around what is, Acceptable sexually would be different within different faith communities. And so, you know, your original premise in the book is as long as it's completely consensual and with adults and open and not a secret, then whatever people choose to do is fine. And within a Christian community, they're going to want a different. Um, definition of hmm. I called it in the rewrite the adaptation a covenant relationship um, a covenant hmm. marriage so so a little of it was just um, I was afraid after you invited me to do this book well if, if Christians if I tell them this is the most fabulous book but just kind of filter out that part it's such a big hmm. thing that they would perhaps toss the book aside or say i you know, if I can't agree on this basic definition, then I'm um, I'm not going to read the book, uh, which is a little ironic because the core definition of cheating, again, is just as strong as it could possibly be. Um, so I think that's one thing. Um, I think I teased you a little bit, a very minor part, but there's a little bit of language in the book that, if you, that some of faith communities may go, ah, let me filter that one out. But I think as well, it wasn't that Christians couldn't benefit just from reading that core book. Um, I just read it with this light bulbs going off everywhere. Oh, this is such a great passage in the book that could coincide with this passage from yeah. biblical scripture or from a safe perspective. And even the immaturity that, that you're talking about, uh, and I do love that. That concept, and that adaptation of the book, I brought in First Corinthians 13, which is called the love chapter, and mm. using love as a verb instead of as a noun, that ushy gushy feeling, and it's, mm. it's describing an extraordinarily mature version of what love is. Mm -hmm. Well, and there you go again with that
1: maturity word. I mean, Marnie, one of the things that I wanted to say to Rob, because I read both books, of course I read your book, Rob, when it came out and I thought it was fabulous, but this book I believe holds people to a higher standard. And when you hold Mm -hmm. somebody to a higher standard, you do have more emotional maturity. Whenever you aren't tempted to the degree that the worldly culture encourages us to be tempted to, you're really Mm. honoring a sacred relationship between husband and wife. And that's what I noticed in this book. You know, the biblical scriptures absolutely 100% endorse that. But, you know, I'm not a scriptural person. I'm a Christian, but I don't know my scripture. But what I loved about this book is that it says If you really honor your relationship with emotional maturity and honesty, rigorous honesty, and you don't stay in any kind of denial, you will have the relationship that you really deserve to have to fulfill you. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all looking for good self-esteem. And here's my APSATS training, you guys. My absats training is, that when a sex addict or somebody who's unfaithful rebuilds a relationship through honesty, empathy, accountability, authenticity, and transparency, they grow. So not only does Mm -hmm. the partnership grow and the partner gains trust, but the addict grows in his emotional maturity. And that's why I love this book.
2: And, and Carol, I want to say that is why I use the word immature because – you know, when when someone has a disorder, they're depressed or they are alcoholic, or we we all know that those things can be lifelong in various ways. They can come and go. Um, they can be, you know, have serious early sources, whether they're biological or trauma-related. But, you know, when we hear diagnoses, we kind of worry. But I like the idea of immaturity because, to me, it means that you can grow. And to me, it says to a, a woman, you know, this man can can become more of the guy that you want him to be. You know, this may be an error, but it it doesn't have to be the end. And I I believe that I see far too many couples who do decide, oh, well, I I can't do this because there's been cheating. And I think, oh, but that's such an opportunity to grow and and mature your relationship. It's it's not a closed door. It's an open one.
0: And I would so agree with that. Yeah, I would agree, too, because clearly
1: it's not about doing it doing it right. It's what you learn from doing it wrong and improving it mm. and making it. Right.
0: And, and I and, love and that a good- book gives, gives couples hope. Uh, and as Rob was just saying, I, too, have seen too many couples who give up quickly. Uh, I live in the south, and the mayor of our city has been, Con, um, confess to an affair, and that's you know been all kinds of political news and and it just strikes me as being so sad and if i if I knew anyone, I would want to to give her the book, but I especially want to give it to the wife of the affair partner, and all of this is very public news and actually it's made national news um, because just by reports, um, just how devastated uh obviously this woman is and probably gonna mm-hmm. divorce. And I just wanna say, hey, he really, really, really messed up. And mm-hmm. of course you're devastated. And there is there is some hope. And to just give couples hope in that darkest time when other than the death of a child, I think probably the worst that happens um mm-hmm. to someone is to be betrayed sexually and in that moment to be able to say to them this is horrible he deserves to be in the doghouse and there is a way out and the trade partner you can watch for him to to re-earn that trust and mm-hmm. to take responsibility and it can be better than ever
1: okay you know, so Carol, i'm going think-
0: to and
1: i'm going to start with rob do you believe that a marriage can really survive and even thrive after infidelity.
2: I not only believe that a marriage can thrive and survive after infidelity, I have seen so many marriages that grew tremendously because there is this kind of naive love and feeling about love that we often in our relationships, you know, if if we're lucky enough to have naivete into marriage, you know, we kind of, and I think one of the greatest sources of naivete is that the person I love would never do something that would hurt me. You know, that we just really want to believe that this person, above all people, would never... And, you know, what? The, the when I go off to Vegas and I do that thing with a bunch of guys, and I'm not really not thinking that's going to hurt my partner. I'm just thinking I'm having some fun with the guys. But when I realize how much it can devastate my partner, that then it becomes a whole different thing. Um, and I wanted men to be aware of, you know, what, seem, what may seem casual to us at times is not at all something to be taken casually. And, yes... One of the great things I think about relationships healing after infidelity is that there's, they tend to be much more honest and more real. I, I I will say that you know there is a saying that you know a betrayal is like a you know, or, or cheating is kind of like a crack in a plate. Once once the plate is cracked, you can glue it back together, but you'll always see the crack. And I think relationships that have experienced this are like that. You know um, they they're ne- they're not, never going to be the same because you can never look at that person and say, well, they would never do that to me. But on the other hand, you can have a much more, um, a much much greater awareness of the communication, of the honesty, of the, you know, you can raise the stakes when this has happened. And the guy coming out of the doghouse means that he's willing to step up to that and show up for a higher level of relationship. So, yeah, I, I really believe in redemption and forgiveness, especially right now when we are so much pointing fingers at men and saying, look at this guy who did this and look at this guy who did that. And you know who I'm talking about. And... You know what i don 't see in our culture is men who have made mistakes around sex who have really caused harm in their relationships or in their community or their career who have then gotten to the other side that 's the story i don 't see in the media is the man who lost that marriage or lost that job or wasn 't able to be a pastor anymore or wasn 't able to be a doctor anymore but five years, ten years later he is a different person he 's worked on himself and He's not the person who would do that anymore. And we need more voices of redemption in our culture, especially around men and sex.
1: Well, and I would agree with you, and I'm going to ask Marnie the same question. But before I do, I want to say that obviously we're talking about emotional maturity and we're talking about the cheating spouse, but it also requires an emotional maturity of the partner to understand that horrible, horrific, Mistakes have been made, and if you want your coupleship to survive them and even thrive, you have to figure out how to, if nothing else, how to manage your feelings, deal with the emotion dysregulation, how to deal with the triggers that come with infidelity, and begin to trust that process of restoration. So Marnie... I'm going to ask you, do you believe that relationships can survive infidelity?
0: Absolutely, with all my heart. I, I'm i passionate about that, uh, as is Rob, and have seen it in countless, countless, countless couples, have experienced it myself. So very intentionally chose the word redemption. I was certain from the moment Rob asked me to do this adaptation, and I said yes, that this was a redemptive book, and wanted the word mm-hmm. redemption in the subtitle, and that theme is is there throughout the whole book, coming out of the doghouse. Um, and so, I I totally totally believe that, and it is mm-hmm. it is a grace, it is a grace on the part and we of see both it. people, and we see it, and I agree with you, Rob. I hadn't really thought about it, but we do need more. Media uh, coverage of the redemptive stories and unfortunately they're they're not quote sexy enough to make the news but um, no. but definitely that's what people need to hear and that's what we're hoping to do in this book
1: well i love that and so now i've got a couple of other questions because again this is a christian mm-hmm. book and for our listening audience there is no doubt that you can get your needs met if if you're if you have that Christian belief and you want to ascribe to that, Out of the doghouse for Christian Men, a redemptive guide for men caught cheating is available on May 1st in 2018, and they can get that through Amazon, and, and it is written by Rob Weiss and Marnie Faree, and they have collaborated on this because they felt like a Christian guide would be so necessary. Rob had already written the book, um, Out of the Doghouse, a step-by-step relationship saving guide, and they decided to take it one step further and make it applicable specifically to Christians with biblical scripture and just adaptations of how people have offered grace and how people have made mistakes and how they can make it better. So here's my question to you both again. Do you believe... That is absolutely necessary for the adulterer to discuss and confess his infidelity, even if she hasn't found out about it.
0: I'll jump in here um, first, if that's okay, Carol. Um, certainly, we absolutely do. Again, just just thinking the whole premise of Rob's original book that carries over into this adaptation is about honesty. And so it's quite a profound secret to withhold uh, information about an infidelity and hope that what she doesn't know what, won't hurt her. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's almost a no-brainer. And, and unfortunately, too often I've seen within the Christian community that uninformed clergy people will sadly advocate that okay, you've gotten caught cheating with the pornography because she's got your computer history, so you can't get around that anymore. But those one-night stands on the business trips, you know, those were years ago or months ago. She hasn't found out. She's not going to find out. She's already so devastated. Don't tell her. And mm-hmm. I think that's a grave, grave mistake. and
2: Missed opportunity.
0: Yeah exactly. It, not only is it a mistake, that's great, Rob. It is a missed opportunity for genuine intimacy. Mm-hmm. A- and one of the things I like about this Christian Christian doghouse, we've called it privately uh, back and forth and laughed about that, but, but this is not this um, man Pam pamby oh, just pray more and trust God, and this will be okay. And I really want your audience to know that because, unfortunately, sometimes the Christian literature or even self-help books are like that. And this has some scripture thrown in. It mostly has principles um, that are rooted in Judeo-Christian traditions and and belief systems. But this is definitely, this is a very practical guide that is also, though, as you put it, Carol, challenging men. I call it an, an adaptation about their hearts, That's going back to that maturity word, but really challenging them. It's the most courageous thing in the world to man up and admit your mm-hmm. junk and to not say I'm sorry, but to shut up and live I'm sorry and mm-hmm. to walk that out and take responsibility and be very patient and loving when uh, your wife is extremely Upset and triggered, and all of those things. So it this is a, a still quite a hard hitting book, and um, and not anything that's that's going to be, oh, honey, you're okay, dude. Just just trust God. You're fine. Okay, and
1: what do you think, Rob? Do you have to confess about your infidelity, even if she doesn't know?
2: Well, I put I put a few caveats around it. I mean, having done this for so long, you know, I, I'm always. Sensitive to the vulnerability of the spouse, so you know if if it is a female. By the way, we haven't discussed women cheat too, and Marnie and haven't Marnie and I haven't sat down to talk about out of the doghouse for women. But unfortunately, men don't cheat as well apparently as women do because we get come a lot more often. And uh, we, <laughs> my goodness, it's true. You know, I, I have to say this is as a t- I, aside just quickly is that I love that men. Uh, I you know I, I am a man. I work with men who cheat, and inevitably. They come to home four nights out of the week not having cheated and they have a lovely evening. They come home the fifth night and they cheated that afternoon and they say, oh my God, my wife must be some kind of witch. How does she know that I cheated? I mean, nothing's a different at all. And I think, boy, you know, you're not that good. Like you probably don't realize how much you distance yourself, how embarrassed you seem, how uncomfortable you are. You know, we give lots of signs that something is up. Unfortunately, we then turn and say, well, I, no, I didn't. <laughs> and so, so right. I, I would suggest that most of the, most spouses are not witches, they are, or, or or warlocks or any of that. They just simply are sensing information that is that we are unable to hide. Um, so my answer to your question is, um, given that the spouse is not, you know, ab- about to give birth or mentally unstable, or and I know Marnie agrees. As long as the spouse is stable sure. enough to, in, in a situation to be able to hear this, then yes. W- but I want to explain this. This is kind of the way I want to – this might be useful. Um, I was talking to a therapist recently, and I was talking about this book, and she said, well, that's counterintuitive. Why would you tell someone something upsetting, something you know will upset them, and then expect that it's going to have a good outcome? Why not just not tell them, and then they won't get upset? And I understand that. It just it, it, Here's the perspective I would give you. If I'm talking to a man and he says, I don't want to tell her that. That's just going to upset her and make things worse. And I'm going to ask him, what does he want with his spouse? What is important to him about his relationship? And if he says anything like, I want to be closer to her. I want to be more intimate with her. I want to be more understood by her. I want more loving between us. Then the only way out is through. He has to own what he's done and where he's been and what's been going on with the Hope and maybe faith-based belief in this case that by owning his reality, by owning her experience, by being completely transparent, that he's opening up the relationship to grow. Um, and stagnant relationships can't grow with you know nothing. You can't get the stale out of a, a stale air out of a room unless you open the door, and I don't think you can clear up the distancing and lack of intimacy in a relationship based on infidelity unless you open up to what's actually happened. So, yeah, you got to talk about it. Sorry about that.
1: That's what I thought, and I I could have bet on that because one of the things I know is that the heart of any relationship is rigorous honesty. And, again, I talked about breaking denial. Clearly, if you decide that you're just not going to give her this amount of information, there will be all sorts of things you're not going to tell her. Because you're going to think Mm -hmm. it's in her best interest when really it's in your own best interest not to face that conflict. And here's what I believe, guys. In healthy relationships, conflict breeds intimacy. And so if you're in a relationship that isn't that healthy, you need to ascribe to that premise to make it healthy. And honesty Mm -hmm. does that. So now... I
2: I, I know, Marnie, would agree with this, too, that you know, we're all taught to put on a good face and to look good and to be pleasing to others and, you know, um, and all of those things. And, and that's that's nice in casual social situations, but in deep, meaningful relationships, sometimes we have got to get down to the stuff that isn't so nice and doesn't feel so good because that's, if you don't scrape that stuff off, you don't get to the love that lies underneath.
0: Yes, for sure. Okay. So, you, you know,
1: I know that Women in general are relational and they really do. Although, I got to tell you, I've got lots and lots and lots of gay men that listen to this show too. And so, I'm going to say in general, if you've been cheated on and you are Christian and you want to figure out how to get through this mess, you need to read this book so that you have, you use those Christian and biblical uh, principles to make your life better would you agree
0: yeah sure sure absolutely i mean rob an original book talked about that he's writing a book for heterosexual men who have cheated in their primary relationship and that it could be very applicable to other settings um, and i totally agree with that and and this same book is is the Christian adaptation, I think, is exactly the same way. And, and, that, and, and really, Marnie uh,
2: and I just wanted to solve a problem that we kept seeing over and over again, which is men get themselves into these situations and they don't know how to get out. And we just simply right. wanted to say, if you're willing to do the hard work, because it's not easy, here it is, and this is how you get out.
1: Okay, so now you just brought it home. So let me ask you, after a man has been caught cheating and is in that doghouse, what are the steps they can do to get out of the doghouse and restore trust and the relationship from a Christian
0: perspective? Morning. I think the steps are exactly the same that are from a so-called secular perspective. Again, because truth is truth, and relationships are mm. they work the same way. And... So again, it it's just interesting and I I love being associated with this book and I I love my adaptation, frankly. I think it's it's really <laughs> cool. And the core material is there. I mean, if, if you look at, you know, chapter whatever and here are seven things that guys can do to make things better or seven things that make things worse, those seven things are still in there in the adaptation, which again but my job was really, really easy. Don't tell Rob because you know, I want him to think this is a huge deal, but but um those those steps are the same and Doghouse does a great job of just outlining guys here's the stuff and, you can and, do that's gonna just... make a worse you know a bad situation worse and here are the things you can do that'll make it better and and very, very practical.
2: So and I wanna guys. if I can just throw a couple of those out there. Um, mm-hmm. So things to make it worse, if that's okay. Christian or non christian whichever version of the book you get, the information in that way is the same.
1: Yeah. Things to do yep. if
2: you're a guy and you want to make it worse, say something to your, the, to your wife like, well, you know, if you would just been more sexual with me and more loving with me and you hadn't gained that weight when the kids came, well, then I wouldn't have done this. In other words, blame her. That's one of the first things you can do to make things worse. Um, and as you can imagine, that doesn't go over well. Here's another way to make things worse. Minimize what you did. Oh, it was no big deal. didn't mean anything to me. It was just this or that. If you'd been there, you would have barely been upset. Uh, that's not going to go over well either. And, and as I've mentioned before, candy flowers and vacations and compliments really fall short when you've betrayed someone's trust. Um, so there's something and, not to do.
0: <laughs> exactly. And the biggest one that both um, books talk about the worst thing you can do is to keep yeah cheating, and lying about it. Right. That's absolutely the worst thing you can do. Um, and nothing let's will mean anything Let's talk about a couple of useful things
2: to do. And here's a couple of useful things I think that, that a man can do who's cheated on his partner. He can, number one, um, sit down and do some inventorying of what he's done so that he doesn't tell her in dribs and drabs because as much as All of us, all three of us, I think, believe that honesty and coupleship and intimacy comes through honesty. Um, Where we've all seen, I know I've certainly seen a lot of pain, is where a man says, well, I'll just tell her this part, but I don't really want to tell her that part. And then she finds out that part. And, you know, oftentimes spouses are just looking for the bottom, for the, you know, how far am I going to fall? And if you tell them you're only going to fall to the third floor, but then – they find some receipts or some information to find out that you were lying to them, then they're going to fall in the basement. And then they also, then they won't believe anything you have to say. So no more lying is absolutely essential. Um, And then stepping back, I think, and not asking for forgiveness is extremely important. Um, I don't see how forgiveness can be given when you haven't worked through the issue. Um, So not, not seeking forgiveness when the issue has not really been even thoroughly discussed is, is a, another thing to uh, avoid and maybe a positive. Um, one more thing that I think that's positive that a man can do is, is don't defend yourself. <laughs> uh, I can't say that positively. Like um, if you screwed up, you're part of my language. If you screwed up, you screwed up. You know, if you came home late and she thinks you were cheating, because when you were cheating, you were always coming home late. Don't say, well, Hey, I wasn't cheating tonight, so give me a break. Say something more like, you know, even though I wasn't cheating tonight, I can imagine my being late tonight brings up all the times I did, and I'm so sorry I didn't call you when I knew I was going to be late. Because those are the messages, not that I didn't, I can't, I wouldn't, I shouldn't, but yeah, I did, and, and and let me make it better if I can by being real. That's That's how it gets better.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I really do believe that people who cheat really need some help with um, empathy. And so when a partner, when um, a wife is not able to relax and he's late and she's thinking the worst, she's catastrophizing, for him to have some empathy and use what I call AVR, which is acknowledging, what's going on for her, validating her feelings and reassuring her that he's working on things and he is not the same man he was a year ago, a month ago, a week ago. You know, clearly, it'll take some time, but, but if he empathizes with her in that way, she's more likely to believe that he has her back as opposed to he's stabbing her in the back.
2: Yeah, you know, for sure. You know, I'm... I'm glad you mentioned the word time because I think that's another key to what we're talking about is I know for me, I don't like it when people are angry at me. I don't like it when I've disappointed someone who does. And when someone close to me, I I want to be better soon. You know, I don't want them to keep being angry. I don't want them to keep hurting with me around. I don't want to keep making them, you know, I don't want to see that unhappy face every night when I come home. But, but the, the reality is if you've cheated and your partner feels betrayed or has been betrayed, then, then this is not going to get fixed in a week or two. And it's not going to probably get fixed in a month or two. And part of what I frequently see, and Marnie I know has talked about this, is the person who says, look, it's been three months since you found out about my cheating. Why, why, why are you still so angry at me? As if,
0: you know, that it
2: was, there was a timeline on this. Um, I, I think it, someone might be angry for – a partner might be angry for a year or longer. And that is just the way it goes.
1: I absolutely agree with you. You know, Rob Weiss and Marnie Free, I am really excited for this book to come out. So how can they get this book? I'm sure you said it's coming out May May 1st of 2018. Can they go to Amazon? Should they go to a website? What can we do to get them there?
2: Well, let me quickly say that Out of the Doghouse – a Relationship Saving Guide for Men Caught Cheating, the non-Christian version, is available and has been out since the beginning of last year and has really, I, I have to tell you, Carol, I, I've had men who cheated 40 years ago and lost a marriage and they're now on their second marriage with two new kids, you know, all that, and say to me, oh my gosh, if I had read this 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe I would have made different, mis- I wouldn't have made the same mistakes I made. I've seen men in tears about something they did 30 years ago from reading it. So Doghouse is available now, but um, through all outlets, you know, anywhere online you get a book or or live, you can get one or order one. And Christian Doghouse, Marnie, when's that showing up? May 1st, you said?
0: Yes, it it will be out for sure by May 1st, possibly a week or so earlier. And it, too, will be uh, available wherever you might order a book online. And I'm sure Rob's – Website will carry it, and our Bethesda workshops website will have it as well.
1: Excellent. You two, you're a a fabulous duo, and you know, coming from (laughs) very different perspectives and very similar at the same time. We're all CSATs, Marnie. You and I were in the same graduating class. We
0: were. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so I so appreciate your contributions to this field, and. -hmm. You know, we all are making it our mission to help people with this epidemic because infidelity is rampant, and we have to teach people how to be able to cope with all the temptations that are out there in life. So, thank you so much. Well, Well, you're you're the man, Carol. Carol, Yeah, I mean
2: that with all due respect.
1: Okay, okay. I'm going to ask Rob. What'd you say? I said,
2: well, Carol, you're the man, and I I mean that with all due respect. You're the man, so I mean that with all due respect. You know, if you weren't doing stuff like you're doing right here, um, people would not be getting these messages, so thank you for that.
1: Okay, and I'm just going to throw this back to you, Rob, because obviously I am the grandmother of Sex Addiction Internet Radio. I had the first show, but you have several things going on media-wise. Tell our listeners real quick before we end, what do you got on because you're doing it all.
2: Well, um, I've been blogging for about six years. and I am now a top five blogger on Psychology Today. I, I have almost 100,000 people reading me every week. So that's just ridiculously, like, whoever thought that would happen. And, um, and I've started a podcast. In fact, Marnie, uh, uh, Marnie and I are going to do one next week. Um, actually, two. I've started a podcast called Sex, Love, and Addiction, And I've started a separate podcast called Love and Betrayal, because I want to cover those people who truly have addictive disorders, and then I want to talk to folks who are struggling with infidelity. And I have all kinds of experts coming on to talk about healing relationships, healing addiction, all of those issues. And and Carol, will you be my guest sometime, too? I'd appreciate that. I
1: would love to. I just read last week Barbara Steffen's blog that you had written about, you know, what it's like to be a partner of a sex addict. So I can Mm -hmm. really appreciate that. I love that you've got that whole continuum. It's not just sex addiction. It's also infidelity. Mm -hmm. That can be just as devastating. So I appreciate that. Yes, back-channel me, and I would love to be on your show and uh, tell you some of the exciting things that I'm doing. Now, Marnie... I happen to have a client who is coming to your partner's workshop next month. She wanted to be there this month but couldn't get her schedule arranged. You are doing incredible work in the field at Bethesda. Would you just share for a second what Bethesda offers and why it's near and dear to both of our hearts?
0: Oh, thanks, Carol. I so appreciate your referrals. I really do. Yes, I smiled when I saw your name on on that client's um, therapist form. So thank you. Um, at Bethesda Workshops, and Bethesda is the name of our program, not the place. So we're not in Bethesda, Maryland. We're in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, but Bethesda Workshops is been around, this is our 20th anniversary in 2017. So we've been around for a long time as a Christian-based nonprofit. But we offer excellent clinical treatment. And, and, again, it's a little interesting here. I've done this Christian adaptation of an already fabulous, fabulous book about integrity, um, and we offer a Christian-based program. But we have people come who say, I don't really do that faith stuff, but I hear you do great treatment. Can we come? And I'm like, absolutely, come. You will be welcome. You won't be pressured or judged. We offer a four-day clinical intensive workshop. Um, for male sex addicts, a separate one for female sex addicts, a separate one for partners of sex addicts who are probably 95% wives, but we're one of the few people who offer help for husbands of female sex addicts, so male partners. Uh, Then they can come back as a couple after they have done some initial uh, individual work at their first workshops. They can come back still very early in the process to get some stabilization to begin to develop some empathy, uh, to get some good communication skills and and conflict resolution skills and those kinds of things. And I am super, super excited. We, as far as I know, again, the first of its kind in the country are offering in mid-April and then three other times through the year an intensive workshop for female adolescents who are struggling with sex and relationship issues It's a family-based workshop. The girls don't come just by themselves. Yikes, we're not that crazy. But Mm -hmm. they come with their parents. Uh, Whoever is identified as the parental unit in the the family. And so it's a family-based workshop. So some of the time the girls will be in groups by themselves, and other times the, the parents at that time, the parents will be in a group with leaders, and then they'll also come back together and do family work. So we're very systemic in our thinking about let's look at everybody that's affected and part of this um issue, this difficulty in the family. So I'm really, really, really excited about that. And we have information on our, our website. We're we're counting down and hoping that um we can be a benefit to families.
1: Fantastic. And you know, I have to say this is a repercussion of our culture in general. So yes. I think we are pioneers in the field I can't wait for people to get to read your book. And anybody that needs more information can email me at carol, at carolthecoach.com. So I wish you the best. Let's keep, keep me posted on how things are going and what you have to offer next.
0: Thanks for your Thanks support, Carol. Thanks so much, carol. carol. Really, really great to be with you. You too. I'll talk to you too soon. All right. Thank you. Take care.
1: All right. So as we, um, as I am so excited to have these two on, they're both excellent writers. They both have other books available, and you might look into them each individually. Rob Weiss, W-E-I-S-S, he's an, uh, a prolific writer, and Marnie Free um, has had her own story that she has written about, and like any great founder she had made it her mission to help people find the resources that they need okay i have to get out of here but as i say at the end of every show you know there's only going to be one of you at all times and i fearlessly want you to have the courage to be yourself i'll see you next week for more sex help with carol the coach have a great one